Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you all. Thanks for being here. We're kicking off a brand new series this morning titled The Comparison Game. And right at the beginning of this first message in this new series, I want to share with you kind of really a confession. And that is this, that I have a bad habit. And, and, and here's what I've discovered about this bad habit. I'm not the only one that's got it. You may share it too. So, so here's my bad habit. I tend to compare myself with other people. You ever do that? You don't have to raise your hands, okay? Probably better that you don't. All right, because <laughs> somebody will compare themselves to you, right? Um, but it's funny, but when I think about when that started for me, I think it probably started somewhere back in maybe junior high or high school, back when you, you sort of hit those adolescent years and you start becoming aware of your, you know, where you fall in the spectrum of different things like uh, academia, like I've realized I'm not really that great of a student, like I'm, I'm okay, but, and athletically, like I'm mediocre at best, I wasn't like really great when I started looking at other people's performance, um, and uh, you know, there's even a time when I, I thought I was really cool, until at lunchtime I tried to go over to the cool table, and they were like, are you lost? You can go over there, and so yeah, it was kind of shocking, anyway, uh, it's funny how we go through those times, isn't it? And when, when I realize, hey, I'm not as good as him, or I can't perform as well as her, or they've got better grades, or they, they're faster, stronger, whatever, instead of being like inspired by them as a teenager, I was angry with them. Like I kind of hated them a little bit, right? And if you asked me at the time, are you jealous of them, Will? I would have given you some other answer. I don't know what I would have told you, but it wouldn't have been, I'm jealous. Oh, no, 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 I'm not jealous. But the fact was, I was jealous. I wanted to be like them, but I couldn't be like them. And it's interesting, this is not just for me, but all of us, hatred and these negative emotions kind of creep into our life when we don't feel like we can measure up. Here's, here's the thing about hate. Hate is easier than looking in the mirror and admitting, I don't measure up. Like, I'm never going to be probably as fast as this guy or as strong as this guy. Or I'm not going to be as smart as her. Or I'm not going to be able to be as cool as them. Or, you know, instead of just realizing we're different people, we've got different gifts and different things that we do, it's just like, I want to be angry with them. And here's the other thing about hate. Hate gives me an excuse not to try, right? Why would I want to be like somebody I can't stand? Like, I, I don't care, you know, that they are better than me or they're faster than me, they're stronger. Because they're, I, I can't stand that guy anyway. I hate him. I don't want to be like him, so I'm off the hook, right? And that's what hatred kind of does. It's kind of amazing. So, Here's the thing that I want to talk to you about today, because this is what happens every time we all begin to compare ourselves with other people. Every time we begin to compare ourselves with other people, we discover this. There's always someone with a bigger er, okay? And what I mean by er is there's someone that's always a little richer, a little bit more successful er, a little thinner, smarter, faster. You know what I'm saying? Always somebody with a little more Er, they're a little bit more talented, er, they're a little more hipper, they're a little bit, 
It's something that maybe you kind of wish that you had, but they got it and you don't, right? Or maybe it's not them. Maybe it's their spouse or their kids. Oh my goodness, this is a big one, right? You look at their kids and you go, oh my gosh, why can't you be smart like him? Why can't, they're smarter, faster, better at athletics, academics. They're, they're better, you know, like, man, their, their uh, spouse is more attractive, er, you know, their, their spouse is more successful, er, more financially well-off, er, whatever. And it kind of drives you a little bit crazy. It makes you kind of go, right? You just, and we've all been there. We've all had those moments at times. And then Ur has kind of an interesting flip side to it too. Because just like there's always people that you can look to that you kind of wish you would be like or you kind of envious of, there's those people that you look and you say, wow, they're poorer, they're heavier, they're slower, they're not as... Uh, hip as, you know, they're nerdier than me. And when you compare yourself to them, you start feeling a little bit superior when you <laughs> think about that. And, but what, here's the reality, is that nobody really, at the end of the race, we don't really want to be er, we want to be est, right? Like we want to have est on the end of all the adjectives for us. We want to be rich S. We want to be most successful S. We want to be the um, best looking S. You know, we want to be, we want to have all the S on the end, most uh, well off. We want to be the one that everybody looks at and they envy us. That's what we want. But here's the thing, and we would never say this out loud, not especially not at church, like, but it's kind of like in culture, it's in society to kind of, to be baited to want that. But what we find, and this is what I hope you start to see today, is that comparison, this comparison game, quickly becomes dangerous. It really does become dangerous because it leads into really unhealthy directions. Because for some of you here today, if you are really honest, and we could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and you could just be, hey, if I could be gut-level honest, here's the truth about me. You don't hate the people that you compare yourself to, you just hate you. You can hardly stand you. You're not happy with you. You criticize yourself almost all the time. You beat yourself up. You eat yourself to death. You self-medicate. You drink too much. You do something else just to make you feel okay about you for a little bit. And some young people, and not even some people that are not so young, cut themselves, hurt themselves, injure themselves. It's, it's like this inflicting pain on me because I somehow deserve this. And this is way the, what, what I should get. And this is the way I feel about me. It's very, very self-destructive. And some of you here would say that if you're really honest, that you are in some massive debt today because you stared at someone's lifestyle a little too long. And you wanted it, so you went out and bought it, and you couldn't afford it, right? Some of you are dieting yourself to death, just diet after diet after diet. If I could, if I could just be as skinny as her or as him or as healthy as if I could look that, but I just, it seems like I never can get there, and I've tried everything, and I just can't quite get there. Some of you are driving your kids crazy by continually to push them academically and athletically, academically and athletically. You're driving your spouse crazy because you're comparing them constantly, physically and financially to other people. And if you were able to speak for yourself, you'd say, no, 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 no. I just want them to reach their full potential. No, that's comparison. 
Let's be honest. That's what it is. It's comparison. It's being compared to other people. Some of you are working yourself to death, working all the time, academically working, financially, professionally, working, working, working. If you could just get to this certain place, threshold, then, right? And you can't get away from it. Every time we open our computers up, it's there on the browsers, it's on the TV, it's the advertisements. You're bombarded constantly of people that you're probably never going to look like. Things you're never going to drive, clothes you're probably not going to wear, places you're probably not going to go, homes you're probably not going to live in. All of this stuff that's just out of your reach. And you're looking at these people you don't even know. And the way they're portrayed, they look better, they act better, their lives are more perfect and polished and beautiful in these advertisements than they actually ever even live. But we buy it and we feel we need to compare ourselves with that standard. And it drives us crazy. And it drives us to do a whole lot of things that really are very self-destructive. This is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Because even as we go all the way back to the New Testament and look at the time of Jesus, it's really interesting that when the Jewish leaders turned Jesus over to Pilate, the Roman governor, we're told by Matthew and Mark that Pilate knew the motivation behind these Jewish leaders, why they turned Jesus in in the first place. He figured it out. He knew their motivation. And we're told over in Matthew chapter 27, verse 18, what Pilate knew. And here's what he knew. It says that he knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of, let's say it together, out of envy. They were jealous. And some of you know this story. You've read it. I encourage you to go back, read this chapter. Even if you just read this chapter of Matthew 27, these leaders argued about Jesus. We have to do something about this Nazarite. He is getting too popular. There's too many people following him. He's, he's starting to get too much influence and leverage in this culture, and it's going to be a detriment to us. We won't have the same power. We won't have, our way of life is being threatened. Something must be done even if that means we kill this guy, we get rid of him. In this moment, when they turned him over to Pilate, began his trial and ultimately his crucifixion. And it all started out of this motivation of envy, greed. We can't stand what we see when we compare ourselves to him. And that's, this is something important for us to look at today because even when we go back to the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, we're told this. It says that envy rots the bones. There's something about jealousy and envy and comparing to one another that just kind of eats us up on the inside. It, it ain't healthy. It hurtful. Solomon here is telling us, he's saying, this does not end well. In other words, there is no winning the comparison game. Because just about the time that you arrive at the ur that you had your fixated vision on, like if I could just get there, if I could be like her, be like him, have what they have, as soon as you get there, I mean the moment you get there, there'll be another ur. There'll be somebody who is more ur than you. And you will find that now you're not as satisfied. Even though you look around you and what you enjoy today, the relationships the blessings around you are from the hand of God. It's all good. It's good. It's from Him. We get dissatisfied and discontent because we keep fixating on what others have and others have. This is really brilliant because 
in this Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, he breaks down for us this beautiful insight into this struggle that every single person goes through. Every one of us are going to struggle with this. And he says, let me kind of dive into that and drill down a little deeper and help you to see kind of where this stuff comes from. And in chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes, starting with verse 4, here's what Solomon says to us. He says, and I saw that all toil and achievement spring from one's personal envy of another. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. This, this manuscript we're looking at today is over 3,000 years old when Solomon wrote this. He's looking around himself in his culture, and he's saying, you know what? I'm seeing people going to work every day, going to the shops. They're, they're doing their shopping. They're, they're, they're studying. They're they're trying to be better, they're raising their kids, they're having their marriages, they're doing all this stuff, but here's what I keep seeing them doing. They're looking over their left shoulder, looking over their right shoulder, and they're trying to determine where they are in comparison with where everyone else is. Does that sound familiar to you? What an amazing observation. Has this changed in 3,000 years? We still struggle with this today. He's saying... And what that comparison winds up doing is it creates envy. It creates jealousy in every single one of us. And he goes on to say this. He says, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He says, it is endless. When you start down this road, it is endless. There is no finish line. It just keeps moving further and further out on the horizon. It is a target that continues to move. There is no way to hit this. There is always, in other words, someone more er than you. Always. And he says, it's a chasing after the wind. You will never ever get there. Now he says, now let me show you the flip side of this. So there's one side of this where you're working, 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 working to try to prove yourself and to compare yourself. And the other side is you just totally give up and you don't try at all and you don't work at all. And he puts out a warning saying, and this is not what I'm advocating for today. This next verse says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. This word ruin right here literally means to consume, consume one's flesh to self-destruct. He's saying, I'm not advocating for you to just have an unproductive life where you just do nothing and you just sit around and you just waste time. You know, like, I'm not advocating. As a matter of fact, it could be argued that Solomon might be one of the most productive people that ever lived. If you look at the, the Israel that he inherited from his father David and what he built it into, my goodness, the guy was very ambitious. He did a lot. Palaces, wealth, the land the growth of the country, the wealth of the country. I mean, unbelievable what he was able to do in his lifetime. So he's not saying, I'm advocating for not trying and not working hard. Uh, but when you do it, be careful that it's not about a comparison game with someone else. He goes on to say this. He says, better one handful. This is like a secret that he learned. He goes, let me show you something that I've learned. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. This phrase right here gives from its Hebrew roots this, this metaphor or this image of one hand of tranquility being open to God, saying, yes, give and take away, Lord, according to your wisdom, your sovereignty, what you think is best. I surrender to that. 
And he says, so one hand with tranquility, the other two are clenched fists saying, I don't want to lose anything. I'm scared to death. If I, don't, if I stop working, if I stop pushing, if I stop comparing, that I'm going to lose this little bit that I do have. It's, it's just living in fear and comparison and jealousy and envy. He's saying, but it's a chasing after the wind. Again, it's this endless, no finish line. It is a, it is a pursuit that, that hurts us. He, he comes back to this idea that better one handful with tranquility. Better one handful with tranquility. I'd like us to say this together. Would you say this with me? Ready? One, two, three. Better one handful with tranquility. What is the posture of your life today? Be honest with yourself before God. Is it one handful with tranquility, two hands full with toil? Do you, do you really believe this? Do you trust that? A lot of us will confess it with our lips, but we kind of deny it with our actions. We don't really live like that. We're constantly trying to prove and justify ourselves every single day and comparing ourselves every single day, and it is a chasing after the wind. Do you believe the better one handful with tranquility? He goes on to say this. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was this man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. This was a big deal in the culture back then because this means there was no one to whom to leave his estate. All of his wealth that he had amassed over his life. He wasn't satisfied. He kept building and building and building. But the thing was, this was back in a time where you couldn't leave property to women. It had to be to a man and he had no man to leave it to. There was no son. There was no brother. There was nothing. No one. So he was left to ask a really important question. It's such an important question. I want to challenge you today. If you've not asked this question that we're going to look at in just a second, you need to ask it. You need to grapple with it. You need to wrestle with this question. And here's the question he asked. For whom am I toiling? Why am I working so stinking hard every single day, working my fingers to the bone? Who am I competing with? Who am I competing for? What am I trying to prove? What's the point of all of this? Like, what is the end goal here? How do I know when I win the game? Or do I? Because I don't feel like I'm winning. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing every day. It doesn't matter how much I have. I feel like I'm losing and he explains what he means by that. The next verse, he says, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Like, I don't even enjoy I have all this stuff, and I don't even enjoy it. I hardly even enjoy my life. And before we judge this guy too harshly that Solomon observed, think about this for a second. Isn't it true that some of us in here in the room, we have today more than we've ever had before in our life, but we uh, have less joy than at other times in our life? You are making as much or more than you maybe have ever made in your life, and that's wonderful. It's a blessing. That's awesome. But you would say, but this is not the most happy, most joyful time. I'm not enjoying it a whole lot. I hardly enjoy my life at all. As a matter of fact, it's just a lot of toil. It does feel like a chasing after the wind. It is frustrating, and I feel like I'm putting out fires constantly, and it's just, ugh, it's just a burden. It hurts. I don't like it. I'm, I'm exhausted from it, Will. Some of you feel like that today. And he ends by saying, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. 
It doesn't end well. This is not where you want to be. This is a game that no one can win. The comparison game has no winners, only losers. To pay close attention because there is a big question that all of us are going to have to grapple with. And as a matter of fact, this is a question you have already answered in your life, whether you've thought about it or not. And depending on how you answer this question, it will determine the kind of quality of life that you're going to live with for the rest of your days. And here's the question. What or who am I going to use as my reference point to tell me when I'm okay? What do you you Whether or not you call yourself a Christian today, you have this in your life. Something, you look in the mirror and something tells you whether you're doing okay, you're not doing okay. You're making it, you're not making it. What is that for you? This is what we know about us as human beings. Even if you don't know you have one, you've got one. Even if you haven't thought about this, you've adopted it from someone or somewhere. You've got it. And the thing is, those of us who are raising kids, your kids will adopt this from you many times, and they don't even realize they're doing it. So we've got to be intentional about how we answer this question. What is it? When you look over your left and right shoulder, what is that reference point that tells you you're okay or you're not okay? How do you know that? So important to ask that question. Is it is it looking at a friend or a neighbor or a brother or sister, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, how are we doing compared to? Is it looking at a boss? Is it looking at a dollar amount, how much you make? Is it looking at a GPA? Is it looking at, am I getting recognized? Am I getting acknowledged? Am I getting celebrated? Do people see what I'm doing over here? How much of that is really making it onto the, the, the scene of society and people seeing and notoriety and fame? And what, what is your standard? Because that is such an important thing to begin to ascertain. Because where we have decided what we're going to look for our value, we are going to also respond to other people. This is how we're going to treat other people. Because typically speaking, we take the same way that we look to determine our own value, we determine other people's value. And if it's based on success then you will treat people who are successful as you and more successful than you with great respect. And all those people in society that serve you and are beneath you, you will treat them like they are your slaves and servants. And you've seen it before. And maybe you've even fallen into that a little bit before. They're like, how dare she talk to me? She's my waitress, you know, or the, the, per, the, the person on the phone, the, the uh, support tech person. How dare, you know, yeah, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind because they're here to serve. They're beneath me. Because we only get to a conclusion like that because we have determined our value based on something that we feel like they're not measuring up to and we are. That's how we get there. And when we determine something like that, we begin to, to understand our value that way. It will bleed over into our children and they will treat other people and respond to them in a similar fashion. And when we see them and say, wow, how could you be so rude to them? Well, they're just simply doing what they learned. It's so important for us to take a step back and say, okay, wait, 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 wait. Am I living? Am I playing this comparison game? Is this what I'm teaching my kids? Because if we start with the assumption in this life that there is no God. It only makes sense that I would use you as my standard and you use me. What else do we have? That's all we got. 
But if we start with the understanding that we have a loving Heavenly Father that really genuinely cares about us, desires a relationship with us, and we enter into that relationship with Him, then that should radically change the way we compare ourselves with others. It should radically change this tendency, propensity towards envy and jealousy and all of this wicked, negative, ugly stuff that creeps its way into our life and gets passed on to the next generation over and over again. I want to, so next week, we're going to unpack, begin to unpack how does this understanding of a loving God that wants a relationship with, how should that change the way we compare ourselves? How should it change the way and how do we implement stop this, stopping this, this, this comparison game, stopping this envy game with other people? We're going to start unpacking that. So, but for today, I want to give you some questions to wrestle with. They're questions I've been wrestling with, and I'm going to give them to you so you can start wrestling with them too. Because if we're going to get serious about this stopping the comparison game, and it truly is something that was detrimental to us and to our marriage and to our kids and to our future, then we've got to, we, we've got to be proactive. We can't take this lying down. So here's a, a few questions I want you guys to start to work with and grapple with. Here's the first one. Do you feel exhausted from trying to keep up with, and you fill in the blank, with a friend, a brother, a sister, a neighbor, a coworker, a boss? Are you exhausted? Some of you would say, I'm just exhausted from this. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. And it, it maybe taking it a step further into the financial aspect of your life. Are you broke? Are you broke from trying to keep up with them? Like, I just, I can't play this game anymore. I'm so sick of this. I'm, it's going to take me forever to pay for what I've already bought. And I'm feeling pressure to buy something new already. Here's number three. Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Isn't it kind of interesting how you, you could be driving a four, five, six-year-old SUV, but as soon as the neighbors pull up in the 2018 version of whatever it is you would really love to have, you're like... This car smells like family, man. This thing doesn't have nearly the options. It's like smells like old fast food and kids stuff everywhere. I want a new car. Isn't it funny? Like one second later, the moment you see, the moment you compare, the moment that that enters into the, no longer are you enjoying what you have. Isn't that crazy? The moment, it just takes a second. Are you allowing what you don't have to keep you from enjoying what you do have? Have you stopped enjoying the people in your life because you're constantly comparing them with other people's people, right? You, you, you don't enjoy the things you have because it's not as good as, it doesn't measure up to, I wish I had better, the newest, latest, whatever. This is God's provision for you. This is, this is it's good. It may not be what someone else has, but who cares? That only matters if you're trying to live up to a comparison game with someone else. Do you enjoy your kids? Or are you driving them crazy because of what everyone else's kids are doing and accomplishing? That's a great question. And I'm going to take it a step further. This is going to make you feel very uncomfortable right now. I'm going to challenge those of you who have teenagers and kids that are a little bit older that you're constantly in their life, to have an important conversation and ask them if they're, you are doing this to them. I know that's scary. Because <laughs> you may not 
like what they say. And you may say, well, that's not what I meant. That's not, that's not what I intended. That's not... But if that's how they're perceiving it, that's how it's coming across to them, it's important that you know how they're feeling. Because honestly, at the end of the day, if you're constantly never satisfied, pushing, 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 constantly trying to get them to be like someone else, and they're never quite good enough, guess what? You will slowly erode that relationship, and they will never want to be around you. If you would like your kids to call you and come see you from time to time... You need to learn how to let ease up on this. I know you want what's best for them, but when you're pushing, pushing, pushing all the time, comparing, 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 think about it like this. What if you had a friend that every time you went to lunch with them, every time you had a coffee with them, they're constantly berating you and comparing you to other people that you're not as good as? How often would you call that friend? Like never, right? Now, what makes you think as parents that you're going to get called? And it's important to know Now, the next one is, would you be willing to have a tough conversation with your spouse? Is it possible that your spouse feels like that you are dissatisfied with him or her because of your tendency to make comparisons to uh, to other husbands or wives? Another really important conversation needs to be had. Do you feel like I do that to you? It's important that we have these conversations. Sit down and ask the question, and then you just be quiet and hear what they have to say. Take turns. Stop the comparison. I promise you, it'll bring so much more peace. It'll bring so much more help and healing. Better one hand with tranquility, a word that means satisfaction and contentment with your life, than two hands with toil. Number seven says this, and this is a tough one. It's a really tough one to admit. Who would you secretly enjoy see fail, relationally, financially, professionally? (laughs) You don't want to say this at church, right? With somebody, you're kind of going, oh, that's terrible. I hate to see that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, you throw a little party behind scenes, right? Who is that for you? That's chasing after the wind. I'm here to tell you, don't do that. Don't live like that. Surrender that to the Lord. And here's the thing, that all of these questions are to indicate where we are. Where are you chasing after the wind? Where am I chasing after the wind today? Because here's the thing, it will exhaust you. You can't live like that. I can't live like this. And Jesus says, stop trying to live your life in comparison with everyone else, trying to measure up to something else. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Finally. Finally, Jesus says, come to me. I want a relationship with you. And I want to begin to help you to see yourself through my eyes, the way I created you, for the purpose and the intention of God's love for you and how that's lived out every single day. And the bottom line is, you cannot chase after the wind and follow Jesus at the same time. You can't do it. Those are mutually exclusive. They're all consuming. And today, I want to invite you to say it's time to stop the comparison game. We're going to unpack this more over the next couple of weeks, but today, at least begin to surrender and say, Lord, I want to quit it. I want to start following you completely Help me to be keenly aware where I start comparing myself with other people, to confess it, turn away from it, stop it immediately. Help me to stop it. 
Here's the commitment prayer I'm asking you to pray with me. Simply saying, Jesus, I need your help to stop chasing the wind. I want to stop hurting myself and others from comparison, this comparison game that's destroying me. It's eating me up. It's consuming me. I surrender myself to you today. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.